Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Talking Point, Planet F1's very own podcast after the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, it was another dominant win for Max Verstappen, finishing like, 17 seconds ahead of Valtteri Bottas in second place. But he had a pit stop in hand as well, so it could have been much, much further than that. With me today is Charlotte Lines from the Purple Sector and F-Series. Charlotte, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Let's just go straight into it. Uh, Max Verstappen, yet again, he looked in a class of his own, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think from the get-go, he was pulling a gap from Lando straight away. So, yeah, he was dominant from the from the start. Absolutely. Another likes-to-flag finish for him. And the scary thing for the rest of the grid is it could have been so much worse, couldn't it, for uh, for them? Yeah, I mean, they were just pitting him at the end for fun, I think, because there was no need to... I think they knew that he had a little something on his tyre, but he still had such a big gap between him and Bottas at the end of the race. And I heard him say in like post-race interviews that they were just trying new things with the car because they were so far ahead. So it was like they were literally just just out there having a laugh, really. It was just in a race of his own. He didn't see anyone. No, we barely even saw him on camera through the whole race either because he just uh, just scuttled away and no one could get anywhere near him, which um, is very reminiscent of uh, Mercedes at their peak. So that would be even more annoying to them that they're getting a taste of their own medicine like that. Well, yeah, because when we see Lewis driving off into the distance we there's races where we literally see him for the first lap and that's it so yeah. it's definitely very similar to Merck domination and it's now a 32 point lead for Max Verstappen at, uh, at the top of the uh, world championship so that is uh, that's a big step for him being now a race win in front of Lewis Hamilton too yeah and I know obviously F1 anything can happen and all it takes is a DNF here or a, a low point scoring race here but the fact that it's now 32 points, that is huge. And I think Max is going to be feeling pretty confident that he has got this at the moment. True. And it was nice to see fans there as well. I mean, almost all of them in orange. Actually, pretty much all of them anyway. Uh, but 132,000 fans were allowed at uh, the Red Bull ring over the course of the weekend. And it sort of bodes well for, for the rest of the season, assuming you know everything's all right with COVID. And um, we're due for a 140,000 capacity crowd at Silverstone too. So how much difference do you reckon it'll make for the uh, for the drivers to be back in front of fans again? Yeah, I definitely think it makes a huge difference. I think even if you look at football as well, like the crowds are back there and you can see that's like better morale for them. So I definitely think it helped Max this week because they were everywhere. There was orange, literally everywhere. And like, it just shows that the support is actually crazy. And I think going to Silverstone might give Lewis that boost that he needs because it will be majority British fans which are obviously Lewis fans as well so yeah I definitely think it gives them an extra boost. Absolutely and another Brit to make a massive impression this weekend was Lando Norris his uh, his first ever front row start less than half a tenth away from pole position you'd think he'd be happy about it but he actually sounded quite disappointed didn't he? 
Yeah, when he was like, that's the best I could do. I was like, you don't even know your P2. Like, you think you've done really bad. And then obviously he, I think this is what we I've seen from Lando is even though he gets good results, he always wants more. Like, even though he came P3, he was like, yeah, but I want P2. And mm. I think that's so, like, that's so healthy to have. And it's so good to see that he wants more than what he's achieving, even though he's achieving great things at the moment. Exactly. Did you see him on uh, on Sky as well, where uh, Karun Chandok was taking him through his lap, and he was actually ahead of Verstappen going into the last two corners as well? So that would have um, that probably would have stuck the knife in a bit, wouldn't it, for him? Yeah, he was like, got a better exit here than Max. Oh, was better here than Max. And it's like <laughs> he knows that he was doing a really good lap, and obviously it was just the last couple of corners that uh, that had like made him lose it. But I mean, to be that close to Max Verstappen in a Red Bull when he's still in a McLaren that is still being developed, I think that's pretty good going outperforming both mercedes and sergio perez too that's um, absolutely huge for him and just for the wider context of the sport as a whole because um even though he's had such a brilliant season do you reckon lando norris has been underestimated i really do think he's one of the underrated drivers just because of like obviously daniel was went straight in there and i thought people were going to favor daniel over lando but now lando's performances are showing that he's actually like maturing he's doing really well and um, i think people need to keep looking at him i mean he's been in the points every single race this season like n- like he's the only one to do that yeah and it's his fourth career podium in formula one now uh three this season he's, he's only going to go up from here isn't he well, yeah, I saw I saw a thing that said he's got 101 points now, and last year he got 97 out of the whole season. So it's like there's ninth racing, and he's already beaten his score tally from last year. And you know you're doing all right for yourself when you get a compliment from Lewis Hamilton during the race, getting called such a great driver because he took so long to to get past him in the race, and that's going to be really really big for his confidence too even if he wouldn't admit it out loud well yeah like when they showed it to him in the post-race interviews like he just looked like so like not shocked but like happy because obviously you're mid-race and for Lewis Hamilton who his task is to get as many points as he can because of where he qualified that's like that's a big thing it's huge for him and that will you know that should spur him on for the rest of the season but he uh, he's definitely had the comfortable beating of Daniel Ricciardo and it, it must be said that uh, that Ricciardo starting P13 again another poor qualifying for him but to come through and finish P7 will feel slightly better for him he said he enjoyed um, the race but at the same time he'll he'll still be very aware of what's going on on the other side of the garage yeah, I think it's kind of like, a, it's not a losing battle because obviously he had a good weekend this weekend, but it's kind of like he's seeing Lando get on the podium already three times this season and he's not really been anywhere near. So it's probably rubbing salt a little bit in the wound. But I think after this weekend, he can go into Silverstone confident because he did come back from a really bad weekend last weekend. For Ricardo to get back on level terms with him it feels like an even bigger task now because he was half a second behind Norris in qualifying when he got knocked out I think and uh, around such a short lap that ends up being a massive difference too yeah I think I think there's still something not right with Daniel in that car and hopefully like he can over summer break they can improve it because it is like I didn't think Lando would be the one beating Daniel like I really didn't think that at all but clearly that's what that's what's happening 
another driver of the day performance for Norris as well, which uh, is making other people take notice of him as well, which is which is great for him and for the rest of the season. Like, how high do you think he can go? I, if he carries on like he is, I don't see why he can't be battling for P3 in the in the championship because I think Perez, obviously this weekend, he didn't have a great weekend. All it takes is a couple of weekends like that for Perez not to score the points that he needs and for Lando to maximise on that. And he could be up there fighting with him. I think that fight between Perez, Norris and Bottas is very close at the moment. That's it. He's still ahead of Bottas in the championship as well, which just doesn't feel quite right in a way, does it? <laughs> no, it's so weird. Like, a McLaren is beating a Merck. Like, that is just not normal in no. this day and age. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it was uh, McLaren's first front row start for, I think, nine years as well, which in itself seems completely baffling. Yeah, I think obviously we saw them have a dip in form, but now they're really, they really are flying. And obviously we, they kind of do need Daniel Ricciardo to be getting similar amounts of points in the second car because that will also help them battle Ferrari and try and secure another P3 in the championship. Exactly. And the race as a whole, I mean, it felt better than Styria. <laughs> Would you agree with that? But it, it wasn't it wasn't an all-time classic by any means. No, I was definitely more entertained at this race than I was at Styria. Um, but obviously it wasn't like Austria last year when literally 11 cars finished the race. But I still <laughs> think it was a good race. Like There was a lot of battles in the midfield to look at. Obviously, Daniel coming through the field and Charles and Daniel fighting for a very long time. And then obviously watching George Russell battle Alonso for like 10 laps. I was like, OK, this is pretty entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, the bar was pretty low, but one one thing that did uh, mar the weekend and kept in people's minds for uh, for most of the race was penalties. That seemed a little bit excessive to me. What did you make of it all? Honestly, after the first penalty, I was like, I know there's going to be so many more now because they've just opened the bag and they've got to be consistent because I think that the FIA have been quite inconsistent a lot and they know that people are always talking about it. So it was literally for me... You've given one penalty for one thing. Now, if that thing happens again, there's going to be loads because you've just got to be consistent. The first one of the weekend you can understand completely, which was Sebastian Vettel's grid penalty for uh, for blocking Fernando Alonso on his flying lap in qualifying. He was not happy about it. Yeah, I think that's obviously a guaranteed penalty because that, that could have been so dangerous and ended up so badly. And obviously, Fernando was absolutely raging on the uh, radio and he has every right to be because he was on a flying lap and it could have been so dangerous so yeah that one was completely fine in my eyes and on tv we were actually following alonso live in the car as he came around turn nine and there was just a really slow aston martin in front of him like did you have your heart in your mouth as well yeah i did because obviously we knew that there was a lot of traffic to get a flying lap before there was zero seconds zero minutes on the clock and I thought that they would have cleared it. And then obviously I just saw it and I honestly just like winced. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to see a crash here. But thank God Fernando's um, reaction times were quite quick. Yeah, exactly. And the poor um, poor thing from Alonso's point of view is that he was P3 in, uh, in Q1 as well. So he, I think he would have been even more gutted as a result of that. Yeah, he definitely could have been like in Q3, like proper fighting up. I think he probably would have got like P5. Yeah, he said that was on the, on the table yeah. for him. He said that was possible. But we didn't we didn't get to see that because of Sebastian. <laughs> well, and let's just run through the rest of the penalties then. So Lando Norris got a five second penalty for, for supposedly forcing Sergio Perez off track. Did you uh, did you think that was a penalty? No. <laughs> Look, Christian Horner, Red Bull team principal, didn't think it was a penalty. I don't know how many people did uh, did think it was, but was it just hard racing? Do you reckon? 
I, this is the thing I said, like Perez went round the outside. When you go round the outside, when you're battling someone, you know, the risk It's risk or versus reward. And he had the space as well. He had space. He could have backed out, but it was hard racing. He didn't want to do that, obviously. And like, I just think Lando was ahead, was ahead of Perez. And I just thought that you shouldn't give a penalty for that. Like you want the races to be hard racing, but yet when they do hard racing, you punish them for it ultimately it probably would have been different on a different circuit too if they had a runoff area there but because it was gravel do you reckon that made a difference oh yeah 100 percent. because obviously gravel makes everything worse if you go in that you're basically stuck and you're basically out so yeah if it was like if it was say it was like france for example and you had the nice runoff strips it would be totally different absolutely but Perez then got a taste of his own medicine he got uh, two five second penalties for uh, exactly the same incident by doing the same thing to Charles Leclerc so for uh, for Perez to get a penalty there it's probably just a direct continuation of Norris getting one too would you say yeah but like I said they've got to be consistent and if they gave Lando one for literally exactly the same incident at turn four then they've got to give Perez one as well I think Perez's second one was more of a penalty just because of like he I did, I did think that he kind of just like steered into him and pushed him off. But for the first one, it had to be consistent with Lando's one. So, yeah. Yeah, the second one seemed a little bit more dicey to me because uh, Leclerc was fully alongside around the outside of turn six. And yeah, that that could have ended badly. So that one I can kind of understand. Then moving on to Yuki Tsunoda, two penalties for him for... Uh, going over the white line on pit entry and for him to make the mistake once I mean it's bad that he's making it anyway but at least you could have kind of recovered from it but then to do exactly the same thing again on your second pit stop the first thing I thought of was Helmut Marco. yeah I mean obviously we've heard that he's already had a chat with him recently and I just thought oh Yuki what are you doing as soon as I saw being investigated for pit line I was like again like how yeah. do you do second time like what the hell and you know if it's for something like that and if they're investigating you they know they've got you already exactly yeah because that's that is literally rule book you have to be in that line so that was the most obvious penalty and sebastian's of the whole weekend for me like that was a definite away from that as well he had a much better weekend he started p7 it was probably his best uh best qualifying i think and things were going all right for him so he, he just completely ruined his own race for himself didn't he yeah, definitely. I think he could have still been in the points if it wasn't for that. Like, obviously, him and Pierre both qualified really well on the Saturday. And their race just wasn't a reflection of how well they did in qualifying for me. Like, obviously, Yuki was out of the points. Pierre just in the points. Like, they could have had such a better weekend this weekend. They just made a rough of their own back, unfortunately. Two 30-second penalties as well. Uh, Nicholas Satifi and Nikita Mazepin getting 30 seconds each. And penalty points on their licence, too, for uh, for ignoring double yellow flags. Uh, and that that again open and shut case i just obviously this didn't happen in like the penalties weren't given in the race for this so this has been dragged out for like hours after the race so when i saw her i was like okay like fair enough if you're not respecting double yellows but why did it take this long to give a penalty like the race wasn't that exciting towards the end do you know what i mean like you could have done it yeah, it's a real shame. But Kimi Raikkonen getting 20 seconds as well. That was quite a bizarre crash, wasn't it? So they're coming out of um, turn four and five. Uh, Sebastian Vettel was alongside him. And yeah, they both ended up off the road, didn't they? Yeah, and obviously from the replays I do, obviously, and FIA think it was Kimi as well, because Seb was just kind of a passenger. Like he was battling him out, but they both had space and Kimi just like clipped him. And then 
off they went. But they didn't even show it on TV for so long because Max was finishing the Grand Prix. So all you saw was Vettel and Kimmy's names just going down the timing sheets and then a yellow flag. And I was like, what is going on? So, yeah, but it was a bit of a weird one. I don't think, like, someone as experienced as Kimmy would have a crash sort of like that. No, it seemed like a bit of a rookie error from him. But, you know, it was it was late in the race. But ultimately, for those two to come together like that probably shouldn't really have happened at all. No, definitely not. Well, looking uh, looking more widely at the rest of the race then, Lando got driver of the day, completely understandable. But I like the subsection of people who are trying to get Kimi Raikkonen to be driver of the day just so they can hear his interview in the car. I think he finished second. <laughs> that would have been so funny. Like, he's just crashed out. He's obviously angry at himself. His team are going to be like, what's happened? And then you get someone come in to interview him, like, your driver of the day, like... Kimmy doesn't do media anyway, so could you actually imagine his reaction to that? Yeah, he's he's not a big fan of talking at the best of times, but that, what could have been? That would have been amazing. He's just there for the fun. Yeah, I know. How um, how long before we, we reckon we see uh, Kimmy get driver of the day from going, say, P13 to P11, just <laughs> just to hear that? Honestly, I don't think we'll wait that long because people on social media, like, they could spread the word so quickly. And I mean, he was second and he crushed out. So can you actually imagine if he had a week, <laughs> a week like last week where he was like P18 to P11 or something like that? Like, he, he's going to get it and we're going to hear it. I can't wait for that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I can't wait because he's just going to be so funny. Yeah. Um, looking down the rest of the field then, Lewis Hamilton, uh, disappointing P4 finish for him. Damaged his car on the exit of turn one, going over the sausage curve, so must have damaged his floor doing that. Losing more ground than he would have liked to uh, to Verstappen, of course, but at the same time for him, that's um, probably damaged limitation from his point of view. Yeah, obviously he did have the issue with the car, but then you can't really blame it on the car because he didn't qualify very well either. So it's like this weekend just wasn't great for him I think the main thing that I picked up was when they told Valtteri don't race him and then literally like two laps later they were like okay you're free to race him and I was like (laughs) oh my god like either Lewis needs to hurry up or Valtteri is going to get him and obviously Valtteri did get him so yeah I think it was kind of orchestrated in the end because I think Hamilton knew that his car was damaged and uh, I think that's a big sign from the team telling Bottas to not race him in the first instance anyway I think that kind of speaks volumes for how they're feeling about the championship already yeah yeah when I when I heard that I was like literal team orders but as you might you are definitely faster but they don't want you ahead and then obviously the switch the switch came and I thought okay but this is your time to to prove yourself to prove that you can do it because there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders right now as well so I think that was a good opportunity for him to to take and uh, obviously he got on the podium, so it worked. Yeah, absolutely. It all worked uh, out okay for him in the end. But Lando Norris put in a, a really good move on Hamilton on, into turn six, didn't he? And even though his car was damaged, it was still brave of him to do that there. Yeah, yeah. When I saw her, I was like, what's going on? And then obviously I knew that Lewis was damaged. But that's the thing. Like Lando isn't afraid to race these guys. And I think McLaren were like, no, no. Because obviously last week we saw Lando let through the Merc and let through the Red Bull. But... This this week, he was racing and he was proper racing them. So I think that's really positive to see that McLaren can actually race a Mercedes. As he would say, we're racing, racing. Yeah, we're racing, racing. <laughs> it's good for him as well, for him to not only be racing these cars, but to have such an improvement on last weekend too, because he finished a lap down in the end uh, last time out. So for him to not only be on the podium, but to be much closer to the lead of the race is again another remarkable stat from his performance again yeah and I think the fact that before qualifying they was like where do you think you could be after this and I don't know if he said Paul was a joke or being serious but 
he was that close to pole. So I think they know that he's doing so well this season and they can be firing up there. Absolutely. And looking down the rest of the field then, Carlos Sainz was the big mover of the day. He ended up starting P10, but both Ferraris were uh, were knocked out in uh, in Q2. So for him to go deep into the race as he did, he, he ended up hitting on lap 49 uh, for the first time. So he started the race on the hard tyres, ended up going further than anyone else. So for him to... A, make those tyres last because they were uh, softer than last weekend's compounds. And then B, for him to be able to work his way up past Perez uh, after the penalty was was applied at the end for him. It was a really, really good day for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. And I also like the way that um, he, obviously, Ferrari gave him and Leclerc the switch because uh, Charles couldn't get Daniel. And then, obviously, as soon as the switch happened, Carlos was on Daniel's back. And, obviously, he got him in the end. So, I think it was really good drive for Carlos. I think he's been having a really good performance on the Sundays. Maybe not so much the Saturdays at the moment because, obviously, out in Q3 this week, didn't do that well last week. But the Sundays for him have been really good. And there's two points between him and uh, him and Charles. And I thought when he got there, I thought he would be, like, a second driver. But he's not giving me that energy anymore. Like, he's fully fighting in that seat. Which is, which is great to see for us. But, ultimately, it's great to see that he knows he can take himself to that level because we all know how talented Charles Leclerc is so for him to not only be competing with him but for him to force the team into making a team order to get get him by is is an impressive feat in itself yeah definitely I think obviously Charles was just uh, he just wasn't getting past Daniel so I think they definitely needed that especially because they are so close in the constructors fight as well between McLaren and Ferrari so they definitely needed to get in front of Daniel to get that extra point so yeah it works really well and I think that team's actually working really well between Charles and Carlos like there don't seem to be any tension like they seem to get along really well and it's showing on track as well exactly for them to be in the same sort of position with uh, with McLaren I think that bodes well for team relationships anyway when both drivers are pulling in the same direction I think it's when they get further up that the problems might appear but they apparently are sort of socializing off track as well so it seems like a good little atmosphere at Ferrari at the moment yeah and I think you can see it on like their social medias as well like on Instagram like when they have, when they do team events they're always together having a joke or like golfing or track days and I think that's really nice to see because obviously we saw Carlos at McLaren and he was very much like that with Lando and I think when I when he left to go to Ferrari I thought Ferrari is a completely different team to McLaren so I don't think he'll have that sort of environment but it turns out that him and Charles seem to get on really well so that's really good. Well, after getting knocked out in Q2 and for them to end up with a, a solid points finish with the Claire and P8 too, I think is is a good day's return from them. Uh, we've already mentioned Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly qualifying in the top six yet again, ended up finishing P9 in the race, but he continues to to show his value, doesn't he? He really drives and gets everything out of that car like he really does. And I think it's so nice to see him doing so well because obviously all his Red Bull stint, but he is doing so well this season. And I think it just shows that like, I feel like he needs to move to a better team, but he fits in so well with Alpha Tauri and he does so well there. But yeah, he's absolutely smashing it this season. Poor, poor George Russell. The curse continues. For him to get through to Q3 on the medium tyres in, in that Williams, A, is remarkable in itself. And B, ended up starting P8 with, uh, with a couple of penalties that were going around. And he was four laps away from getting that first point before Fernando Alonso eventually got him. And then... For them to have such a great battle in the race anyway was was brilliant to watch for us because it ended up being one of the best battles of the day, really. But to come so close to finishing in the points again, that must be so gutting for him. Honestly, I don't think I've ever heard George Russell say I'm gutted as much as I have over the past, like, 
couple, like the end of last season and the beginning of this season. He just, to get P9 on Merritt in a Williams, that's just saying something. Like all the, all the reactions from the Williams like team as well, like was just so wholesome. I was like, this actually means so much to them. And I just thought, you know, if George had lost, if George had battled Alonso on like lap 31, I would have been like, okay, like fair enough. But the fact that it was literally three laps to the end when he got overtaken or four laps to the end, I just thought, he's literally raced his whole race. He could have got one point, but three laps before the end and it's not. But I think this weekend was just shows that Williams have improved so well. And for them to be battling that long in the top 10 just shows how much they're improving this season. And it's, it's really, really good to see that. Does that also show how higher level Russell's driving at too? Because he is wrestling absolutely everything out of that. I mean, Nicholas Latifi is not a bad driver at all. I seem to remember him doing really well in Formula 2 as well. So for Russell to be so dominant over him, I think that, that says a lot about his talent too. Yeah, definitely. I think, like I said with Pierre, he's just outperforming the car. And I think that's what you can see if you compare it to Nicholas. Nicholas Latifi's there, like saying, I think he said yesterday, this is like, I, I hated that drive. Like, I couldn't get it right in the corners. It was really hard to drive. And then you see George Russell qualifying P9, starting P8, finishing P11, should have been P10. Like, it does just show that he has just got that extra bit of skill and that talent. And it's like, how how much longer can he stay in the Williams? Because he he's that talented. He should be somewhere else. Like if he doesn't move from the Williams soon, like what is going to happen with him? Exactly. He said over the course of the weekend that he's definitely going to have Mercedes power behind him next year, but he didn't say as to where. So it kind of narrows it down to Mercedes and staying at Williams. So is it down to a flip of a coin? Does he know something that we don't already? I feel like I don't know. I've got this like inkling in my in my body that he knows that he's going to Mercedes because obviously the past couple of seasons when he has interviews about Mercedes because there's been speculation about this literally since like his second season in F1, he normally is like yeah, but I'm I'm loyal to Williams. I'm a Williams driver. But recently he's been very coy and he's just like laughing or just like putting in little comments where it's like, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. So I feel like he knows that he's going there. But I'm, I think that's just me getting my hopes up because maybe. obviously I want him there. <laughs> well, Bottas over the course of the weekend did also say that he's looking at other options with other teams as well if he doesn't stay at Mercedes. So it does make you wonder if he knows what's going on too, but we just uh, haven't been told anything yet. Especially because last weekend he was like, everything that you're seeing in the media is wrong. It's not true. And then this week he's come out and he's like, oh yeah, I, I'm looking at other teams. And I'm like, oh, it's happening. It's That's happening. It. Now that Lewis Hamilton's new contract has been decided as well, again, that leaves only one seat. Uh, Wolf has already come out and said that it's probably going to be between those two. It does make you wonder with one seat filled if, if they've got their minds made up. And also I think it helps, well, not, doesn't, I don't know if it helps Toto, but George said he wanted his plans ready by the summer or over the summer break. And I just think, you know, George Russell, British driver, Silverstone coming up, it'd be the perfect time to announce him as a Mercedes driver. But I think I'm just getting my hopes up too much. But it, it's definitely between him and Bottas. But yeah, who knows what is actually going to happen. 
I think most people know what's going to happen, but it's just a case of when rather than if. But let's talk about Lewis Hamilton's new contract anyway. Uh, signed a new two-year deal. Saturday morning it was announced. Do you think that was the right move? He said that he wanted to stay for more than one year if he was going to do it. So for him to sign for, for two more years means he'll be in the sport until his uh, 38th birthday at least. So it means it shows his motivation because of all these completely new cars coming next year. So no one knows where Mercedes is going to be in the pecking order anyway. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think he definitely wanted to stay for the new regs anyway to seeing him sign two years i was like okay that's fair enough and i also think because of the title battle now with red bull he wants to stay longer just so he can get the number eight because i do think that this season is not going to happen for him just because of how dominant red bull and max are like 32 point gaps are big but yeah i think this i think it's really good to keep him in the sport i mean he does so much in and out of the sport so it would be so nice to see him have another two years see what he is like with the new regs i think mercedes are very like excited about next year they said that they're just developing next year's car they're not really focusing on this year's car so I think next year's going to be really exciting for them and to have the seven-time world champion that's been so loyal to them over the years I think that's really exciting. A lot of people have said that he is so important to the sport anyway I mean Stefano Domenicali the CEO of Formula One even said that he's you know a superstar a megastar and it feels like Lewis Hamilton is needed in Formula One just as much as him wanting to be there really yeah I think he does so much and he has changed Formula One I don't think he knows how much he has changed it like he inspires so many people and not just because he's a Formula One driver, because of his stuff outside as well. And he, you can see he's brought that into F1, like last year with all the uh, re-races one stuff and stuff like that. So yeah, F1 definitely needs him. And it's the end of the triple header now as well. So it was be a good little time for a bit of respite uh, for the teams, especially having done all that traveling around. For them, it's the first triple header of the season. They must be exhausted. I mean, I'm exhausted and I just watch it. Like, <laughs> actually imagine them. Yeah, I think they, like, can have a nice deserved break. I mean, obviously for the teams such as, like, McLaren and Aston Martin um, and Red Bull, where their bases are in the UK and their families are here, it'll be quite nice for them to come back home and stay home for, like, two weeks. So, yeah, I, I just feel like... I feel so appreciative of them because they just do so much and are so busy. And like three weekends in a row, that's just insane. And there are still a couple more triple headers to come later in the season. So that's going to be a big test of not just the cars, not just the, you know, the, the traveling circus of it all, but that's going to take its sort of mental toll on the people as well, surely. Yeah, and I think the drivers also, because I think if you see Daniel Ricciardo wanted this triple header to, for him to like cement himself into McLaren properly. <laughs> Didn't really like, go that well, did it? Yeah, like Paul Ricard, yeah, okay, you had a good you had a good weekend. Austria, not great. Austria, bit better, but it's like it's still up and down, up and down. So yeah, obviously I think the triple header defo affects everyone's like mental and physical because it is so intense exactly but at least there's a little bit of downtime now before Silverstone and with that full crowd in it'll also be the first running of sprint qualifying so there should be a slightly different feel about the weekend overall yeah I think it's really exciting because obviously Silverstone also has W Series and a F2 or F3 I think so there is a lot to be going on there and obviously the first sprint race format is quite exciting so I think we get to see a lot for Silverstone and obviously test out the new qualifying system. Absolutely. And at least there'll be a bit of downtime before Silverstone now, but we will keep you up to date with everything going on in Formula One because the news just keeps on coming on planetf1.com. 
and make sure you follow us on social media too we're at planet f1.com on instagram planet underscore f1 on twitter and just search for planet f1 on facebook and we will be there and if you need to know anything about any of the drivers the circuits and the teams make sure you head to planetf1.com and then you can search for our profiles on there too and we will be able to not just inform you about the news but hopefully if there's any gap in your knowledge you'll be able to find anything out about that and if you search for sprint qualifying too we've got a full explainer on how uh, sprint qualifying is going to work if you need to work anything out before silverstone and we will um, probably be speaking to you in the week leading up to silverstone Podcast Network.